Hello and welcome to another episode of Ponderings from the Perch, the modern podcast for the modern entrepreneur. This is Priscilla McKinney. I'm the resident mama bird here at Little Bird Marketing. Sometimes, you know, I'm playing the auto harp, but today I'm going to interview someone who takes us to the other side, not only adding creativity, but moving us really toward more of a tech side and some really interesting questions and answers about what is happening in the B2B world. And I know that's something that a lot of you have asked me about, and we don't get enough time to talk with people who are really experts in that B2B marketing and what's changing in that network. So this is going to be very exciting. So Bernie, welcome. Uh, Welcome to my show. Priscilla, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about um, what you're, we're, we're going to kind of hear a little bit about you first, and then we'll do my favorite Venn diagram about what's unique about you, what's unique about me, and how do we connect? How did we get here to land on this podcast episode? But um, tell all of your new friends here, you know, who you are, what you do, what's your day in and day out over there um, at Find and Convert. All right. Well, um, you probably, like like myself as a podcaster, have listeners around the world. But for those listeners that are in the U.S., I kind of have done the triangle thing. I was born in New York City, went out to California in my early 20s, and then relocated to the Tampa Bay area in Florida. So I've got that triangle thing going on in the U.S. I have spent my entire career in B2B, business to business. Uh, I grew up in sales, software sales, uh, and then I made the switch over to the dark side, marketing. (laughs) 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 And at the time I was with a uh, software company out in in, uh, Mountain View, California, Mm -hmm. physically located where Google is now located. And uh, I remember it's it's actually a great little story. I'll tell it real quick. Uh, I was part of the sales team, sales management team. We were kind of complaining about the things coming out of marketing. So we had this big powwow session with marketing. It started out a little bit, you know, frictional, but then it all ended really well. And then they came to me about a week later and they offered me a job <laughs> within the company and said, why don't you come over inside and be director of field marketing, which was a brand new position they created just to bridge that gap between sales and marketing. Wow. And it was really um, a a monumental point in my career, Priscilla, because I made this transition from sales to market. I had already been in sales for 10 years, again, software sales. And so I came into marketing with this lens of it's all about, you know, feeding the customer what information they need, but feeding the salespeople what they need to be successful. Right. So, you know, from day one of my marketing career, that's been my lens. Hmm. Well, that there really can't be a better lens. I, you know, there is a section here in our this episode where we'll we'll kind of go into a little bit of of rant of what things we wish we could change. But it's funny you bring up the sales and marketing side already because it's so such a cornerstone piece to B two B. But there is a pet peeve I have in our industry right now. I don't know if you've heard this. Have you heard people use the word smarketing? Yes. Oh, God, please make it stop. Really? <laughs> I don't know what else to tell people, but can we just call it sales and marketing it's and not? Smooked, it's smooth. I can't even say it. I was going to say stupid, smooked, but right. it's, yeah, it's dumb. It's can, just we just, dumb. can we just not do that kind of stuff? I think there's no, nothing that it, explains it look, more. It's just sales and marketing alignment. I mean, let's just call it what go. it is. Thank you. I appreciate that, Bernie. 
<laughs> so one of the other things that's super interesting about you before we go into our Venn diagram is you are also the executive producer on uh, Social Business Engine, which is a great podcast. And I think for any of my listeners that are going to really enjoy this interview today, they're really going to love your podcast because I don't go into the same types of things that you discuss on that. And it's very, you know, it, it's just geared differently. So why don't you tell my listeners what your podcast really covers, what you do day to day on that. And um, I'm, I'm happy to introduce, you know, people to something that is even more in alignment with what they need to hear day in and day out. Well, thank you, Priscilla. I appreciate that that opportunity. And so here's the story on that. So Social Business Engine is the name of my podcast. And it is powered by my agency, which you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. and I didn't say anything about it, which is Find and Convert. Uh, in May 2017, we will be 15 years old, and Find and Convert is a B2B-focused content marketing agency. So the, the reason that I even started the podcast, and the podcast is really part of a bigger online channel, a media property Mm -hmm. at socialbusinessengine.com. Priscilla, the reason I started is that as a content marketing agency, we for years have been advising and helping clients, B2B clients, develop content strategies that can really move the needle, that can really set them apart in a very noisy and crowded marketplace where everybody already has a blog. So yeah, let's go do more blogging. I'm not against blogging. We have have two blogs, (laughs) but that alone isn't enough. So we created our own. In order for us to kind of practice what we're advising our clients to do, we created our own media property as a proof statement, as a way for us to, you know, the old proverbial walk the walk and be able to point to it. And then little did we know that it would be a great place for us to develop thought leadership content and also do business development. Because what I do on my podcast is I interview mostly people at brands. And, you know, they're not people who are famous. They're people who work at companies and are are in the (laughs) trenches, you know, trying to get results specifically around how to use social media strategically in their business around use cases like sales, social selling, employee advocacy, customer service, of course, marketing, you know, developing online communities, et cetera, et cetera. Mm So the podcast really in 2015 and 16 was very focused on interviewing people at Brands, practitioners. <laughs> now this year in 2017, I'm going to continue to do that, but I'm also going to be doing something a little bit different as well. I'm going to be, now this is a little secret between you and me and all of your <laughs> listeners, okay? So don't tell anyone. I won't. Okay. We are going to be launching episodic series. Now, what I mean by that is, We're working on three right now where each one is five episodes, relatively short, around 15 minutes per episode, around a very specific theme, so that in the end, if you've listened to all five episodes around that theme, it's almost like a little mini audio course. Right, okay. And I'm going to be partnering with people in technology companies who, you know, in the end, they have a solution that addresses a business problem. And we're going to be walking through the elements of that business problem. I and, I got to say, doing that just, across five episodes. What do you think? Okay, this is so great, because I this really hits at the heart of what 
some of the things I don't like in the industry. A lot of people think they can listen to one episode or they could go to this one webinar or do this one thing. There is nothing like that that is going to help you make a change. This idea of learning, episodic learning, or um, and even you mentioned earlier, you already used the word practitioners. You have to practice this stuff. And it, it's not a simple solution. Every Even one, just because there's a B2B client, I don't treat them the same as my next B2B client that come in the door. They're stuck in different ways. They need solutions that are different. And we need to understand really the fundamentals. But you can't learn fundamentals in one quick fix. It's not possible. And I do think that that the idea of learning in um in in um a larger you know uh, span of time also gives your brain a little bit of a break in between to really uh get, grab some of the creativity you know open up your brain in a different way to help you maybe solve the problems you're seeing on you know one side of your brain with the other side of your brain and again that's why I think a one you know a one webinar or a one you know podcast on a certain topic is not going to solve your problem I think that's a brilliant uh, a, a, a brilliant way to to kind of bring in something new and it is pretty fresh I mean besides you know cereal obviously that you know the the podcast smash hit um, but you know you could use a disclaimer in your episodic ones that nobody was actually killed in your podcast so I was thinking could, about that. That would yeah. that could work for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no brain cells were killed. No, no, not at all. Yeah, I like that a lot. I'm definitely going to follow cool. that and see where it goes. So we have the Priscilla stamp of approval. Then. Yes, you do. Okay, you I do. shall go forward with it then. <laughs> you know, Bernie, what we have in common too is you and I are quite optimistic. And uh, but you know, I think that it goes beyond that. It's like when someone really just has a new, a fresh approach to something. I I think a lot of times a fresh approach, people are like, oh, a quick thing. No, sometimes a fresh approach is people really coming to grips with the fact that actually complicated problems require complicated solutions. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and it takes a little bit more time to develop those. And I feel that that is very, very true in business to business. It's a little bit more, more complex. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about how it's changing and what you see, what you see is, is really happening in that B2B networking and marketing, um, space. But, um, so what we have in common, how we ended up connecting is you and I were both, uh, featured as guest bloggers on, uh, David Reimers on, uh, Media. He Mm -hmm. interviewed both of us for, um, a piece about, kind of how I take it was stare into the crystal ball of 2017. What are going to be really the key best practices for content marketing? And you said at the beginning of this episode, you said that you'd been in in content marketing for 15 years. So basically what you'd like to say is that maybe, you know, there's some school of thought that says it started about then. Um, Other people say, of course, it's as old as the hills, you know, Mm -hmm, really mm -hmm. content. And and I, I think that's really more true. True, but as an industry, you know, it's it's been really an industry for 15 years. So you're really at the very forefront of that, especially as an agency providing those services, because as we all know, people want those services and then agencies come along to, to help um, people after that. So I think your perspective is really... Uh, you know, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of experience um, behind the the words that you speak. And I know you you watch the industry pretty closely. So mm-hmm. we were, that's what we have in common. Obviously, we both have a podcast, so we have that in common. But give me a fun fact that uh, there's no way I could have in common with you. And I'll, I'll share one one about me with you. 
So a fun fact about me. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> Who is it's this actually... Bernie Borges? <laughs> okay. So I've always been pretty focused and a lot of people have used the word intense about me. You know, like I'd even hear from people like, you know, those, you know, so-and-so says you're really intense. And I would hear the word intense quite a bit. And early in my career, um, I had, you know, I was in my 20s working with a bunch of other people in their 20s, you know, fun group of about 15, maybe 20 of us. And they nicknamed me Stuffed Shirt because I was so intense. (laughs) I was just focused on my work. And then we'd go out afterwards at night and, we, you know, I'd have fun and they'd see like I really am a human being and I can have a good time. <laughs> so that's how the nickname came about, Priscilla, oh is, you know, at a bar at night because mm-hmm. they just saw that during the day I was just a stuffed shirt. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, it, that's so funny that, um, you know, you you and I have a little bit of the same take, a little bit more fun loving stuff. So I, I don't think I would have seen that unless I, I work with you like, you know, yeah. day in and day out. That's it, it's funny because that doesn't come across when you keynote, and so but you know being focused. There's a lot to be said for that in content marketing these days, right? I mean everything is just connected to this thing that's connected to this thing connected. Yep, yep, I mean yep. you need you need someone who's focused anymore. So, okay, well I have a good one for you, Bernie. I was we we work with uh, national and international companies, and uh, last year we received a request for an international school, and they wanted us to review the website and uh, take a look at a you know a, a revamp and then a branding revamp, and that turned into content revamp, and you know on and on. But the starting point was the website, so we got that, and we were looking through it, and my goodness, it was just a mess, right? Um, old technology and just just uh, the whole checklist. But what I was not expecting was it was just really subtle. But over maybe five pages later, I'd click on uh, on a page and literally I would hear a farting noise. And I was like, really? I'm by myself in my office. So I, I look around, I'm like, uh, okay. And I didn't think a whole lot of it. I thought, you know, we do have vents in the, in the office. I thought, okay, I'm just going to let this one go and not not really let this one go. <laughs> I was thinking, let it slide. <laughs> You're going to let one go. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, I really started worrying about my own mental health when it happened, maybe four, five, six clicks again. And I clicked again and literally this, and it's a completely different fart noise. So do you see how we've already digressed on this marketing podcast? Wow. Is (laughs) anyone still listening? Yeah. (laughs) Are you kidding? (laughs) This is when it gets good. Um, (laughs) So I I am going to get, obviously they've been hacked and, you know, what's funny about it is one of the kids from school who had graduated from there had hacked their site. They didn't even know about that. They never had had their volume turned up. And we just went back with them, said, turn your volume up you know, like, like we thought maybe they were just going to see if we caught it or not. They had never heard it. And so Hmm. needless to say, there was a little bit of work. So I think that it's pretty, you'd be hard pressed probably to, you know, have that in common with me that you also, you know, had to work on a a website um, to remove fart noises. Yeah. Probably not. We don't have that in common. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I do try and reach pretty hard with these ones. So, well, let's talk about um, B2B. That's what, that's what you're here to talk about. And uh, like I said, uh, total expert. So, Tell us a little bit about what you see as the difference 
when you start into sales and marketing with business to business, what is the difference of the content and just maybe even the mindset people have to have when they're in the B2B world? Okay, well, even the B2B um, concept is broad because it can span so many different industries. So uh, obviously, I'm going to have to speak in some generalities here. Mm-hmm. And and Priscilla, most of my experience in my career, as well as the client work that we've done at Find and Convert over our almost 15 years, has been in technology and professional services. Okay. <clears throat> So what I've really seen evolve, because I've been at this for a little while now, (laughs) is it's become very human. You know, it used to be very structured, very formal, and uh, a lot of activity that comes from the brand, and then the salespeople, you know, their job is to have sales conversations and close. Now, sales professionals really have an opportunity to be thought leaders. Right. And, you know, they don't have to they don't have to write books and be keynote speakers to be thought leaders. All they have to do is be willing to engage. And if the company that they work for, and in this case, I'm work, I'm speaking about corporate salespeople. In other words, they, mm-hmm. they work for a company in a sales capacity as opposed to like an independent sales person, although it can still apply to that individual mm-hmm. as well. And I know there's gazillions of those as well. Right. But if they're willing to um, put a little bit of effort into curating content or if their company will curate the content for them and there's tools and technologies that will do that for them. I know because, you know, we resell those in our agency. So it makes it easier for a business to curate content and make it available to your salespeople so that it's easier for salespeople to just literally click a few buttons and share that content. Now, it's great if they would read the content so they can (laughs) make some comments on it and literally be in the know. But that human-to-human engagement is really an effective way for salespeople in B2B to really engage in a way that can insert themselves into the research process. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. The B2B buyer is very independent in their journey, their buying journey. They're often working in teams of two, three, four, five people, maybe more, depending on the size of the buy that they're looking to do. And the people that are on the team are going to be very diverse, right? Mm-hmm. There's typically going to be an executive. There's typically going to be one or one or two technical people, maybe a financial analyst. And, and so they're all different personas and they're also going to range in age. So, you know, maybe the executive is over 40 or over 50, whereas maybe some of the analysts are in their 20s or 30s. So there's different demographics in play here. But what they all have in common is that they're going online to seek out information to develop a list of potential suppliers or vendors that they might, you know, choose to evaluate further. During that process, Priscilla, they do not want to talk to a salesperson. <laughs> it, they're in the they're in the research part of the journey. So what sales professionals can do is is insert themselves into that research part of the journey mm-hmm. by being a source of relevant information. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's important for them to intentionally try to become a thought leader and curate and share content. If they like to write, they should write content, publish on LinkedIn, for example. And by being very active in that regard, as well as engaging in online conversations, looking for relevant groups 
and truly engaging in conversation. I don't mean, you know, hey, nice article, you know, right, yeah, you know, like really engaging. Like, mm-hmm. you, like if you go somewhere and you you walk up to a group of people, you don't just stand there with, you know, <laughs> this look on your face. You talk. Right. <laughs> well, you you know, you're hitting on a real point here is that there is a level of of sophistication in the buyer today that was not there before. And um, maybe some people would say, you know, consumers finally won. And that's kind of what's changed in marketing. I don't know if you'd agree with that, but the consumer is driving this. And, you know, for business to business, um, the consumer, like you said, at this point is not wanting to engage face to face. And so, you know, the people in B2B who are going to win are the people who understand that this is the reason they're showing up on digital channels at this point, that they're showing up to provide, you know, information that resonates with these these problems that that they're having. What is it that they're researching and and maybe engage in, in the conversations you're saying that still can happen in that initial research, just if it's done well? Is that what you're saying? Um, yes. But I also want to point out, Priscilla, that there's one human being on this planet who unfortunately is no longer with us that really influenced this, and that is Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. Ten years ago, in January 2017, uh, the, the iPhone was introduced. <laughs> it didn't ship until June 2017. Mm-hmm. And the iPhone has evolved and really created this revolution of having a computer in your palm. Yeah, it is hard to believe that this is just a 10-year phenomenon. It is very hard to grasp this. I know. I know. It is. It is. Because, you know, we, like, you think, like, I couldn't live without it, right? Mm -hmm. Even though we did more than 10 years ago. Right. So, it's created this culture of how we, all of us, consume information as well as socialize, Mm -hmm. as well as take pictures, right? Mm -hmm. All of it in the palm of our hands as well as tablets which are almost palm like but they're mobile so it's created this the technology the introduction of the technology has created a cultural shift mm-hmm. and it really you know a few years ago i would have said that it was it was very um it was more demographically um probable in the younger demographics, not so much anymore. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I totally agree with you on that. I think really early on, it was harder for me to get the older. They were like, oh yeah, that's what young people are doing today. And so they thought that we were going on and doing content marketing and B2B marketing, these kinds of things and, and being aware and sensitive to the buyer's journey and to the, the kind of uh, consumer behavior that was happening because we were doing that for the youngins. (laughs) <laughs> and, and I mean, it's it's true. We are doing it for them. I mean, they're the millennials are are going to be you know insane in the in the next you know ten years in, in the workforce. But I agree with that. What you're saying is that it's not just millennials that are acting this way now. Everybody That's right. is. That's right. And it's just because it's it's really it's the adoption curve, right? I mean, yes. if you study decades and decades of of marketing and manufacturing, it's just an adoption curve. Mm-hmm. We're ten years into you know smart mobile devices, and it's been it's mainstream. It's mm-hmm. no, it's you know the the early adopters and all that are, you know, years in, in the rearview mirror. It's mainstream, so everybody has access to. All the information it's needed, not only on the palm of your hand, but also on your keyboard. So back to the B2B mindset. Mm-hmm. It is really about engaging with people as people, but in a way that's relevant to them. Mm-hmm. And another reason that's important, Priscilla, is because we live 
in this hyper fast world. We're not just hyper connected, but we're also operating at hyper fast speed. Mm-hmm. You know, all this great technology has also accelerated the pace of activity. Mm-hmm. So everybody's busy. Right. And that's just an understatement. <laughs> yeah, and and yeah. we all know that. But it's also the reality that in B2B marketing and B2B sales, we have to always be aware of that. So we always have to be thinking about how can I be relevant to the person that I'm trying to touch right now? Mm-hmm. How can I be useful to them? And and specifically for the salesperson, it shouldn't be, and I know this is a difficult concept, but it shouldn't be how can I sell this person or how can I get this person on a call? But it should be about how can I build a relationship? How can I earn some trust with this person so that eventually I am, I do earn the right and I'm able to have a conversation or a meeting or whatever or an introduction, you know, Mm -hmm. to somebody that's in a decision making capacity. Well, I like how you said that is that's the question is how can I be useful? (laughs) And I think that what comes out and what loses in the B2B uh, market or really any kind of marketing is that obvious I'm here to get and that, you know, that very grasping type of talk. And and it is, you know, boring too. features and benefits and, hey, what can you do for me? And this is who I'm looking for, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, there is that thought leadership really is. Uh, encompasses a much more, I guess I'd say, enlightened mindset, which is I'm here to be helpful to somebody. And if I can help somebody and I am the right fit, this will this will work pretty easily. But along the way, I have to believe that there are plenty of people out there I can connect with. And I'm really only looking for the ones who are trying to connect with me. So if I could just continue being useful and helpful then those right people, you know, will will come to me. And I guess we would say in the industry, self-select. I don't really, you know, like using a lot of marketing jargon on my podcast. But, you know, uh, you you talk a lot. Um, I, you know, I, I do read a lot of your blogs. You talk about like leveraging, you know, social media content constantly, all every step of the way, like being sensitive to it. And of course, we're going to be in there trying to leverage that. But if you have the mindset of being useful, then that authenticity, you know, comes out. I, I, I hear that's you know, that's what you're putting out there as that mindset. Do you think it's possible for people to live in that? Do you think that's hard? Do you experience that that's really hard for you to get your clients to move into that mentality? Well, you have to always keep in mind what the buyer's journey looks like. And if you're always mindful of what the buyer's journey looks like, then it's easier because then you can understand and remind yourself that what you're trying to do is insert yourself into the buyer's journey as a way, in a way that the buyer wants to engage with you. If you're trying to interrupt the buyer in the buyer's journey, then you're less likely, I'm not saying it's impossible, but you're less likely to, to do that effectively. Mm-hmm. But if you insert yourself, and I n- notice the choice of my words, mm-hmm. insert yourself into the buyer's journey mm-hmm. by being a source, a valuable source of information. I can't tell you how many times over the years I've gotten an inbound email or phone call from somebody who very quickly became a client because I had inserted myself and stayed on their radar mm-hmm. through consistency. Right. Right. So when they were ready, they contacted me. And in those in a lot of those scenarios, there was no competition. It was an immediate conversation Mm -hmm. diving right into what they needed and how we can help them. 
Well, and we even see that technology is moving that way because, you know, consistency is being rewarded even in algorithms. So that that consistency, you know, have, there's a lot to be said for it. Let me let me kind of take a, a a different approach here with you because I'd love to hear from your experience. What's some of the most frustrating things that you hear out there in marketing in our industry? So this is what I was talking about, the kind of little bit of a, a rant section. Maybe we could even couch it from, do you feel like clients sometimes are asking you the wrong question or asking you to do something that you're like, that's not really what we need to be doing here? What What are some of your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, well, Deep breath. <laughs> Big sigh. <laughs> yeah, we, we do. We do hear that. Um mm-hmm. So a lot of it is still sort of the um, applying the old outbound broadcast mindset mm-hmm. with, you know, contemporary social media and content marketing strategies, right? Mm-hmm. Let's put together a bunch of content and then broadcast it out. Now, at some level, there's definitely some truth to that because you do have to market your marketing, meaning mm-hmm. you have to create content that's relevant, then you have to market it. And in social media, there's an element of pay to play where you have to do some advertising in order to get it in front of the right audience. But it, it's so important to begin with a strategy. And that strategy from a content marketing standpoint is a content strategy where you define the personas, you Mm -hmm. define what their pain points are, you actually describe what their journey looks like, and then you organize it all in a very visual way. You get all the stakeholders involved so that Mm -hmm. everybody is participating in the process. And by the way, if this sounds like work, it is. It is. (laughs) And if it sounds a little tedious, it is. But I liken it to, have you ever gone by a construction site, whether it's a residential or commercial, and for the first X number of weeks, sometimes months, there's no building going up there, but there's a lot of people in the construction (laughs) site. It's because they're building the foundation. Oh my goodness. We talk about this a lot of times, you know, I prepare, you know, managing clients' expectations. I, you know, sometimes say, hey, you know, in the first two months, you know, you're going to be doing a lot of scratching your head. What are they doing over there? Yeah. What are, are, you know, I know I'm paying them, but what are they doing? And, you know, preparing a client for that yeah. and, and the foundation type of building, you know, I think over the years I've gotten better and better about communicating that. And so, you know, clients are expecting it. And when they see, you know, the work that really comes to fruition after three months, you know, there's a 12 week process of really we've got to really, you know, unearth what what is going on and start building some foundational things. And they do take time. They absolutely yeah. do. Yeah, that's yeah. a great analogy. Yeah. So it really is about ready, aim, fire. Now, that said, Priscilla, you can't take, you know, six months or even three months, I think, is difficult. So mm-hmm. we've figured out over the years to try to get it done in about a month. Mm-hmm. But we also, you know, to your point about setting expectations, you know, we've also figured out that we really need to say, look, let's do some things in parallel. And there's some things that yes. need execution work today. Exactly. Great. Let's put a plan together for the execution work that happens needs to happen today and tomorrow and the day after. But in parallel, we've got to we've got to build this foundation. We've got to build a strategy so that we can have a long term plan around that and have long term ROI on that. So that's the most frustrating thing is the the uh, desire, if you will, mm-hmm. to just constantly be firing, not right. even ready, not even aim, just fire, fire, fire. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, I hear you know? I hear you on that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I like that how you put it in that way where these things can be happening parallel. I, I've always right. described it like, well, I have a lot of people on the team. So one of us, you know, one group is working on what's going on today. And another group is, is back there doing the, te- you know, connecting everything, building all the right links, building, you know, and, and so at least you can see some things happening. But I like that. I, I had never really used that word parallel. Yeah, this is happening in mm-hmm. parallel. Mm-hmm. And that way the client does not have to have that absolute freak out. What are we doing right now? Right. <laughs> type of thing. Well, let's switch gears a little bit because you um, are the only guest I've had on that has experience um, like we do in connecting Salesforce and also connecting Microsoft Dynamics. And I think integrations is something a lot of people are interested in. A lot of um, B2B, um, you know, uh, uh, th- this is this is just, you know, if, if they're not already there, which obviously we have some clients that are very large and of course they're on Dynamics already and they're already, you know, integrated and they want to know how can they do this better. But we have a lot of even um, small to mid-side ones who are for the first time looking at making some of these integrations. So what's been your experience with, with, um, with either starting that or what do you see trending in the integration uh, space? So, um, boy, do we have an hour? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, it's a, it's a lot, but but you know, for topic. for my listener, they really are at that beginning, you know, stage. It, it, they're that you know that larger, um, you know, enterprise that's really ready for something like this, but for whatever reason, just still hasn't gotten over it. So, yeah, give a good overview of like when you see clients coming in with it, or when do they know absolutely we have to make this jump? What are some of your thoughts in, in that sure. space? Well, everybody in B2B always wants to do lead generation, and then at some point uh, they want to do, they should want to do, if they haven't already thought about it, lead scoring. Mm -hmm. Because you can clearly generate too many leads, not too many leads, strike that, edit that out. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) What I mean by too many, meaning leads that are not ready for sales, right? They're not marketing qualified or sales Mm -hmm. qualified. Pick your vernacular, right? Right. So you've got to do some lead scoring and and that's an internal process. So Mm -hmm. whatever the score criteria is, the point at which that is deemed to be a qualified lead ready for a sales conversation, then it should get handed over. And that's a handoff. It's a digital handoff that should happen in a CRM system. Mm -hmm. So whether it's something like Salesforce or Microsoft Dynamics, it's nonetheless, it is a handoff. So whatever you're using for marketing on the ma- automation on the front end, be, be it, be it, a, be it a, a HubSpot or a Marketo, whatever, there's lots of them out there, just naming two of the big names. There should be that integration between your marketing automation, where you're doing your lead generation in your CRM, so that you can have an efficient process to sales. Remember I told you the story, I come at it with that lens of sales. Right all the time. So you want the salespeople to say, these are good leads. You don't want the opposite, right? You don't Mm -hmm. want them saying, this person just downloaded a white paper. They have no interest in talking to me. (laughs) Right, right. Well, you know, since you mentioned it, we are a HubSpot certified agency. I am curious where you weigh in on Marketo HubSpot or whether you care. Or for me, you know, it really comes down to it's really important to me that this lead scoring is happening before, you know, so I don't really care, you know, oftentimes where it's happening. But do you have more experience in one or the other? So the answer to your question, Priscilla, is we also are a HubSpot certified marketing agency. Mm-hmm. We were actually one of the dirty dozen, which means one of the original 12. Oh, wow. I did not know yeah. that. That's a cool yeah. fact. Yeah. <clears throat> and, um, but over the years, one thing that I've realized is that, you know, when a client comes to you or you come to them or however it happens and mm-hmm. they become a client and they're already using something else, 
Well, they're using what they're using. Right. So over the years, while, again, we're a HubSpot certified agency, and if it makes good sense for the client, we certainly would introduce them to HubSpot. But in many cases, they're already using a Marketo or a Pardot or uh, a lead liaison or whatever it may be. Acton is another one. And so it's our job to help them get value and ROI from their MarTech. Now, by the way, that's a buzzword I Mm -hmm. like, MarTech, (laughs) M-A-R-T-E-C-H, for those who may not be familiar with that. And it's just a buzzword that really speaks to marketing technology. So when a company's already made an investment in a marketing technology, then let's get ROI from that. Now, if there's a valid reason to walk away from it, then okay, then if if there is. But if not, let's get ROI from it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I've answered your question. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm 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 completely down down with that. I I really think, you know, you're right. The client has made that choice for one reason or another, and to go back and 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 overhaul something that does is not broken is ridiculous. But I like you know when you put that in perspective with also what you said when you bring a client on, you're trying to do two other things in parallel. You're trying to work on some immediate strategies, and you're trying to build a foundation. The last thing you need to do is go back and you know force them to be in some kind of a system that you're that they're not familiar with. So yeah, I, I completely agree. Well, we are coming to a little bit of a, a, a time crunch here, although you and I apparently could talk forever. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't want to end. Let's yeah, keep going. Yeah. On, well, I want to open up to something you really would like to talk about. Like what is interesting to you in 2017? Is there something new on the horizon that's kind of just, you know, caught your fancy and and you're interested in in learning more and you're going to be expectant to see it develop? What's on the horizon for you? So this is not new, but it it almost feels new because in the last uh, year or so, give or take, uh, it's really exploded in terms of awareness. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's artificial intelligence in marketing. Now, artificial intelligence has been around for actually for quite a while. Mm -hmm. I mean, more than 20 years, actually, in some cases, in terms of military applications. But more recently, uh, I didn't mention uh, that I'm a... I'm a member of the IBM Futurist community, which is a really cool thing where I'm invited to one or two events a year that are IBM events, as well as a few uh, online events. And it gives me insights into what they're doing. And of course, IBM is the company behind Watson. Watson is recognized as one of, if not the preeminent artificial intelligence platform. Oh, Watson's going to be so cool. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, it's not going to be. It already is. It's but here. we're not. Well, I mean, we don't have it. You know, it's kind of like, you know, uh, you you'd know, be surprised. Where, where is it and when is it yeah. actually going to, you know, get into mainstream? But just you, just the few. I mean, you look at like some of these talks think you of, get to hear think about of it. Watson is is like um, iOS in that, you know, um, maybe iOS is not a good example. Android. Mm-hmm. Right. You have all these different handset manufacturers uh, in the iPhone market that can come to market with an Android device. Watson is is it has an open API. Anybody can build an application on top of Watson artificial intelligence. Watson is just the name for the platform. Mm-hmm. So you know Acme Corporation. I'm making that up, right? Any brand, any technology startup or existing mm-hmm. company can come to market with an application where Watson is under the hood. So let's give this some practical application in B2B. Imagine a day, and this is not in the distant future, but imagine a day where B2B 
prospects are coming to your brand's website. They're checking things out. They're clicking on recorded webcasts. They're downloading white papers, that sort of thing. And based on information that's gathered about them, we're building a profile and we're able to, they're, they're, they're picking up on all that intelligence and they're able to develop the profile about those individuals and then we're sending that off to, we're not just triggering a workflow like we mm-hmm. do in, you and I do in HubSpot, right? Yes. right? <laughs> we're determining that this person would be best suited to have a conversation with this person over here in our engineering department because of the way that they've been interacting with our content. So let's put, have them, let's have so-and-so over in engineering contact them around these five topics, mm-hmm. okay? And and maybe even give more granularity than that. There's already a lot of B2B sites in low price point products, not high price point products, but low price point products, office furniture, you know, logoed coffee mugs, you know, things like that that are B2B, but they're low price point Mm -hmm. where the buyer doesn't even want to talk to human being. They just want to have an Amazon like experience, right? Amazon already uses artificial intelligence. Facebook is full of art well full of other stuff but they're full of artificial <laughs> intelligence in the way that it it, it sh- shows you what it shows you well this is what's going to you you know I, I bring back a thought that you had at the beginning is that you know what's different is that things are more human and when i hear people say yeah it's personalization of marketing you know i i just as soon as someone says that, I, I agree, but then I think I hesitate. I think, let me hear what you mean by personalization, because people sometimes still think personalization is using, you know, a personalization token in an email and saying, hey, hey, Bernie, think <laughs> that's not personalization. And this idea of where, you know, it's going to be so interesting to see how, you know, AI gets, you know, finally trickles down so that, you know, it does get into many, you know, many more markets. And it's like, you know, uh, think Things like HubSpot, Marketo, and things like this, this used to be just for big businesses. You know, big businesses right, were the right. only ones who could afford Salesforce or Microsoft Dynamics. And now these things are getting, you know, uh, coming down to, you know, a, a much smaller business. And that's why so many, you know, companies needed uh, expert marketing firms, especially content marketing firms. But this is going to just you know, blow the, you know, blow everything that you and I have in our horizons in terms of what it is that we're also expected to deliver. Yeah. Now, do we have time to, to give you um, uh, what I think is an example that we can expect to see in 2017? Hey, listen, this is my show, Bernie. You say it. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> You're the boss. That's right. Okay. So, um, I recently wrote about this. Microsoft acquired LinkedIn in mm-hmm. December of 2016 is when the deal closed. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a done deal now. Now, LinkedIn is still going to operate as its own company, but they're, they're owned by Microsoft. But what they've already started talking about is how they're going to integrate LinkedIn and Microsoft. And in, a, in an email that Jeff Weiner, the CEO of LinkedIn, sent to um, all LinkedIn employees, mm-hmm. which he then published on LinkedIn as a public uh, email, he outlined eight areas of technology integration. Now, there's three that really excite me and I think really um, can be game-changing from a B2B sales and marketing perspective. And I'll just touch on one of them in the interest of time and okay. also to tie it back to AI. And that is the integration of your LinkedIn identity and 
the products that you use that are in the Microsoft suite of technologies. That's Outlook and then the whole Office suite, right? Word, Excel, PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. So imagine you're in a uh, PowerPoint presentation and you click on a button that says need help and it brings up people in your LinkedIn network that have expertise on the topic of the slide that you're in. Mm. Or you're in a Word document and you uh, get to a point where you you need some input and the same the same kind of thing can come up, you know, need help or distribute it. Who should I distribute this to mm. within my organization or within my network? And it'll tell you who in LinkedIn you're connected to and actually allow you to do some filtering. So there's all kinds of possibilities with AI and the integration of LinkedIn and the Microsoft suite of products that I think today we can't even fathom what they're going to be. Mm -hmm. Just like we didn't know we needed a smartphone until 10 years ago. Right. <laughs> you know, imagine a, one or two years from now, Priscilla, we're, and we're interacting with this AI technology and we're going to say, how did I ever get along without this? Well, I already feel that way with LinkedIn. And so for me, the idea that this, you know, when, when LinkedIn got bought out, I mean, it was so exciting to me because I'm like, oh, this, there's just so much more that this could be doing. And, and not a whole lot gets me more excited for B2B than what are the possibilities of actually really making meaningful connections on LinkedIn and it not being busy work. Mm -hmm. I think a lot mm -hmm. of people are still working in on busy work. So that is absolutely fa fascinating. That is a blog you wrote on your LinkedIn page, right? Uh, it's on findandconvert.com. I did okay. repurpose it on my LinkedIn profile as a published article as well. Okay. Well, you can go and re read it. It is really interesting uh, article. It, it wasn't too long ago. I think I think you you um, you know I think I think it just came onto LinkedIn just recently. But um, yep. yeah, great great article. So go out and look at that. So let's end with this. Where can people find you? I love listening to you. Um, you're out keynoting quite a bit. I know you've got a lot of. Um, let, let's talk about like what's what's coming up really um, soon. What what do you have coming up in February? What's coming up in March? Where can people connect with you? Sure. So I've got a, I'm doing a webinar with Lithium on the 15th of February. In fact, it's about artificial intelligence in content marketing. So that'll be fun. Um, prior to that, the week before that, I'll be in San Francisco. I'll be emceeing the Social Media Strategy Summit, uh, February 7th. Actually, I think it's the 8th and 9th. Mm -hmm. And then I'll be in San Diego, March 23, 24, I believe it is. Social, social media social marketing media marketing world. world. Yep. Yep. I love how they're always uh, enticing people. Hey, we're not in Duluth. We're in San Diego. Yep. <laughs> Come and see us. Awesome. Absolutely. So yep. you'll be at both of those. That's coming up February, March. And how can people connect with you? We've got findandconvert.com, but where else can they connect with you? So certainly would encourage people to check out my podcast. That's at socialbusinessengine.com. Of course, it's available on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play and SoundCloud. Um, but I also have a, a video blog or vlog or whatever the, the right way to say it is. <laughs> and it's called Poolside Sales Chat, where once a week I go out by my pool. I live in Florida and I've got a pool and I go out by my pool, usually on a Friday afternoon. And I record about a seven, five, seven, ten minute video on some kind of a sales topic. So, for example, this whole LinkedIn Microsoft integration was uh, one of my recent episodes on Poolside Sales Chat. And that's on YouTube. But, of course, it's linked up at social business engine.com as well. 
Awesome. Love it. Well, I hope to catch you at one of the conferences this year. And certainly Absolutely. here's a two for one offer. Why don't you go check out one of um, one of Bernie's uh, Social Business Engine podcast uh, episodes, and then you could go give both of us a review on iTunes. Love that. See, they, they could yeah. get their, they could get Twofer. two, two de- good deeds done in a day. See, I mean, look at these things we <laughs> offer. We're amazing. Well, Bernie, thank you so much for taking your time and talking, talking to me and to my listeners about a topic that we just don't, we don't spend enough time on. And I know I get a lot of questions. So what better thank than to just go for so the top really expert? <laughs> You're very welcome. So from Little Bird Marketing, our Honoring from the Perch podcast has been Priscilla McKinney along with Bernie Warhus today. They're saying have a great day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.